Hi, I'm Jim Sullivan, and I'm the host of Boston Rock Talk, and I welcome you to podcast number 138. Our guest today is Alex Orbison. He's one of Roy Orbison's three sons, the others being Wesley and Roy Jr. They run Roy's Boys, a company that administers to Roy's archives and his legacy, and now they're doing something rather different. I'll tell you about that in a few minutes, but first, uh, a bit about Roy and a bit about my relationship with him as well. Roy played what turned out to be his last concert, December 4th, 1988, at the Front Row Theater in Highland Heights, not far from Cleveland. A fatal heart attack struck him two days later while in Tennessee visiting his mother. Orbison, who was 52, had played his next to the last shows, December 2nd and 3rd, at the Channel Club in Boston. I was there for the first of these and reviewed it for the Boston Globe. A week or so before we'd been on the phone, he in Paris, me in Boston, for what would turn out to be his last substantive interview. Four years after his death, I was talking to Katie Lang. Orbison had been a huge influence on her and later a friend and collaborator. They'd recorded the heart-wrenching duet Crying in 1987. I asked her about her connection to Roy, and she said, I think we can skip the musical part because you can pretty much assume all that. His strength and his calmness and his unworldly faith will affect me forever. He was so beyond the surface and the frivolous part of human nature. I mean, people always thought he was so lonely and sad and everything, but au contraire, he was very strong and very peaceful. He was a legend, and yet he was really humble. I could not have put that any better. Now, get ready for the biggest, boldest hologram tour yet. Yep, that's Roy Orbison. He's been doing it, or his hologram has been doing it, uh, in England. They had a 12-date uh, UK tour with a four-piece band, two backing singers, and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra playing a 16-song set. The tour is called In Dreams, Roy Orbison in Concert, and it begins a 30-date North American tour in October with a different orchestra. It's being co-produced, of course, by Roy's Boys. Admittedly, Alex told me, it's crazy. The Jetsons' future is here upon us. But he goes on to talk about why it works, why they wanted to uh, get Roy, or Roy again, Roy's hologram, out there in the public eye, and what Roy's music means when it's heard by a group of people, not just somebody listening alone at home in their stereo. You can reach us at bostonrocktalk at gmail.com and find us on the web at bostonrocktalk.com. On Facebook, we are there, and also for download, download on iTunes and Google Play Music. And now, Alex Orbison talking about Roy in concert, sort of, in 2018. All right. Uh, I, I think you're aware of this. We, you and I have talked before, and I think you know that... I was the last person really to do a, any kind of substantial interview with Roy. Yep. And uh, a very uh, dear memory in in my mind, in my world. And uh, I, I kind of enjoy <laughs> staying in touch this way. So this popped into my frame of reference, the, this uh, uh, hologram type thing. And... I, I want to ask you, you know, several things about it, but I guess let me just start with, I guess, maybe the backstory. I mean, how long has this been in the works for you guys? Oh, uh, let's see, probably from the time that Tupac played Coachella. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that was kind of the holographic shot heard around the world. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, defining what a hologram is is a little tricky because there's been a ton of reproductions on film 
or they just carve out an old piece of film mm -hmm. and uh, and then overlay it, uh, you know, with a live performance of a band. Yeah. And uh, which looks great, but the idea with uh, with us has been kicking around for a couple of years, and it really uh, has come into fruition. The last uh, the last year has been very intense. What made it? What, what turned the corner for you in terms of thinking? Yeah, this is going to be viable. Uh, well, when I saw my brother Roy Jr. as a hologram, I kind of uh, clinched the deal, and uh, you know because. Uh, they can they can beam you from one room to the next, and uh, and that uh, that was you know when you see the way that the hologram moves, uh, you know it really is uh, yeah it really is amazing, and uh, you know the pitfalls of having a hologram show is uh, when you have a performer that's dancing around a ton yeah. and you know, and and the show's more complex like that. Um, it might be a little trickier in my mind to do something like that. But with my dad, you know, Roy Orbison just got on stage and <laughs> banged the songs out one after the next and said very little. And the real price of admission was when he goes for those crescendos and, uh, you know, you get that spine tingling, the hair stands up on your neck. And well, so, uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right about that. I remember, you know, in reviewing Roy and going, you know, he stands you know, not, not rigid exactly, but almost, and certainly yeah. in one spot. And, uh, you know, therefore, uh, you're right. You're not there for the stage pattern. You're not there for the, hi, how you doing? <laughs> you know, and yeah, you're not yeah. going to be seeing him run around the stage. You're right. So in, in some ways, uh, uh, no, I guess, you know, actually, let me take you back for a second. When you said you saw your, your brother as a hologram, is that what you yeah. tested it out on him first or something? Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, yeah. So they just, they have the camera set up and, uh, and so even before we had our test, he went in the other, uh, he went and, you know, on the stage and, uh, and they beamed him in the other rooms. You could see what it would, you know, see what it would look like. Right. So, right. Literally where there's nothing, you know, you're sitting, uh, sitting in a room where there's nothing. And then he's in the other room and then he just beams in and, uh, all of a sudden he's there clear as day. And how did it look to you when you saw your brother beamed into the room? I mean, did you have a moment of going, holy shit, is that my brother? It was fairly amazing. It was, it was fairly amazing. And there is, there's a little, there's a little hang up with the, uh, with the way that, uh, you know, like when your news, a newscaster can't wear stripes and they kind of blend in oh, yeah, behind yeah. them. Yeah. So like, and I can't remember the breakdown. It's either stripes or it's, really dark clothing or really light clothing. I forgot what the, mm -hmm. the hang-up was, but he, they said, yeah, your pants are not going to show. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so he was, you know, he was, uh, he was laughing about that and the, the projection of, you know, him walking out with, uh, in his dress shoes with just his boxers on. So he really wanted his legs to be shown. So actually it's quite amazing, uh, to see the whole thing. And, uh, you know, even in the last, even in the last seven months or something, we really have, you know, technology is moving at a quicker clip probably than it ever has been before. Mm -hmm. And it's really evident with the hologram tour that, uh, that that's true here. I mean, even, even from when we put the show together to uh, when people actually got to see it um, 
all uh, um, you know all month long uh, in the UK. You know the the technology had come leaps and bounds, and the way you see the uh, hologram um, has more depth, and so it's uh, you know the when I saw from even what I saw then to what I uh, just saw in the UK when I watched my dad's show, mm-hmm. it has made a huge uh, jump again. So now it did it debut in the UK and then I think went to Australia. Is it still and I think it's still going in Australia. Is that right? Am I right? No, the, um, so it, it, it uh, debuted in the UK and then it's coming now directly to the states. Uh, I think starting in October. Oh, and then, okay, that was my and, yeah, and, yeah. okay. And uh, yeah, it was a little confusing. We had uh, we had talked to a booker down there and then uh, yeah, I don't know you know the details of the. It is interesting because we like, uh, you know, we're partners uh, on our part with Base, but uh, with Hologram, you know, the Base Hologram company, but they do all the business deals direct. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but we uh, we rebooked the show for 2019 in Australia, which uh, is great. You know, Australia is uh, is really Orbison country down there. Right. So when when will those happen? Those will happen after a U.S. tour. Is that right? And that'll happen after the U.S. Yeah. Okay, so you're saying this starts up here in October. Do you have all the venues uh, set up yet, or uh, how far, where I are you? I heard all the venues. I heard all the venues, and I think it was over 30 dates that we were talking about mm-hmm. in Canada and Northern America, and they were just setting up the routing. Even when he read the dates off, you know, the dates were reading, you know, in the because uh, I toured forever, so you know, he re- he read off a bunch of dates like in the northern part of America, and then there was like, you know, Texas, Arizona, and then it went all the way back, you know, to the northern seaboard, and then there was Canada, and I was mm-hmm. just going, man, how are they ever going to do that? And he said, these dates are uh, booked, but the routing hasn't been uh, right. confirmed, right. so we'll give you the, the release info then. So Now, now let me uh, just ask you this. I'm guessing, I mean, it will be with a live a band, correct? And then will you do like an orchestra in each city from that city? You know, um, getting uh, whipping an orchestra into shape is no easy task, and so that will be totally up to the conductor mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, we have a fantastic conductor uh, lined up. And so I would imagine that it would be one uh, touring band um, that would that would uh, be contracted to go throughout, and uh, really is a, it's a unique experience. So there was uh, drums, bass, two guitars, uh, and then. My dad is a hologram, and then the orchestra mixed in with two backup singers, so it was a fairly large band. Right. And, uh, you know, one thing about my dad's shows is they really packed a wallop. Oh, yes, they did. uh, You know, so um, when I had talked to Bass about that and the fact that if the show was, you know, just too quiet overall or didn't, you know, didn't, my dad's voice didn't thunder enough, then Mm -hmm. people were going to feel like they didn't get what they paid for. And so um, they worked it out marvelously. I mean, it was... You know, my dad started his set with Only the Lonely and would work his way into crying and and, uh, and other songs right at the front of the set. And so we set it up the same. And, of course, by the time uh, my dad was winding up for the end of crying, I actually started crying just uh, watching. I was watching the crowd watching my dad in the hologram. Right. It took on a whole life of its own. Right. Uh, You know, so uh, seeing that, you know, we... 
we stayed with a historical precedent of what my dad was and what he is. And then we also wanted to make it into a 2018 show. And, uh, and so bring it up to the second. And so we have the Royal Philharmonic rec- record that was a uh, number two in the UK. And so we use those arrangements with the orchestra. And so, um, so it is a fresh take on, the uh, on the arrangements and the feel of the, uh, of the concert, and uh, you know, it is like you said. My dad was fairly statuesque, but um, we, uh, you know, we have him. Uh, yeah, we have him. Uh, you know, introduce the orchestra, and people. You know, there's a like gasp from the crowd, and then someone yell, "We love you, Roy!" It's, it's just amazing. God. Now, let me just get this clear: Will an orchestra be traveling with the band from city to city? Then, is that what you're saying? That's the way it worked in the UK. Okay, so I yeah, I know the. Yeah, I can't the ro- promise anything. I see. The, okay. Yeah, they, they had the R, the Royal Philharmonic right. Touring Band right. do that, and then, uh, you know, with this, I would imagine that they would assemble. And so, if there wasn't one band, I would say that they could break it up, uh, you know, geographically. So you mm-hmm. would have one band that would do, you know, the Northern Seaboard and the Canada, sure, stint, and then. Yeah, you, know, you might if there was a couple of days off, be able to break in another band. Right. You, know, you mentioned the conductor. Can you can, can you give me his name? Um. Uh. So Martin Axe was who we used before, and I'm not sure if that's exactly who we're using. And uh, and we do have a little bit. Uh, it's funny because we do have uh, a little bit of time before October, and so. Um, not exactly sure. You know, I just know that if you mention something too soon, it always comes back. Yeah, to no, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Until the ink dries and you're on stage in showbiz, it never happened. Right, so, of course, um, of course. Yeah, we, we, the the cast that we of characters we put together for the, uh, you know, for the UK tour, it just read like, uh, you know, it just read like a show bill. For, right. You know, uh, right. Right. Um, those guys and uh, and the projects they worked on from uh, from the uh, million uh, the million dollar quartet to you know Jefferson and the the, the shows that these guys have put together were just uh, incredible. Right. Um, just question: Since I'm based in Boston, I'm guessing Boston will be on the itinerary when it happens. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Yep, yep. You don't. You don't have a specific date, though, for us, do you? No, no, I don't. Okay. And it's a shame, but uh, one of the things that uh, <laughs> that I did notice that um, the venues are very specific, and and you know we're kind of breaking uh, the ice for the the hologram yeah. Uh, yeah. Per- performing tours. You know, I know that Ronnie James Dio uh, had a couple shows that yep. he had played, and. Uh, and there have been, you know, the Tupac show, and there's been a couple one-offs. But right. as far as just, like, this production was so massive. It was three semis and then uh, two or three tour buses and then one smaller chase truck. And so when I when I pulled up uh, to the venue in the U.K., I realized how massive this whole uh, event is. And <laughs> so we are kind of, uh, we're... You know, we're kind of paving the way. So, yeah, uh, certainly. So you know that part of it is interesting, and what I've noticed is some of the uh, some of the you know they were playing big arenas and big theaters, and uh, and so what I've noticed is they're booking more according to the venue and the appropriateness. You know, mm-hmm. in an arena, you have to black out some seats yeah. and uh, yeah. and make sure the people are sitting where you can uh, view it well. But uh, the the crazy thing is the 
blackout seats, like for instance, there'd be like two or three rows were on the very far side where uh, where people weren't sitting, but that's where I actually sat because because mm-hmm. uh, I. I uh, I actually performed with the hologram and sang backups with a band called Ward Thomas, who uh, had us top the BBC playlist on uh, BBC Two mm-hmm. uh, in the UK. And so uh, Ward Thomas and I uh, sang backups, and so I needed to be near the side door so I could run up when my song was called. And so I sat in the blackout seats, and the hologram still looked fantastic. Oh, it did. Okay, I was, I was going to ask you, it did from. So it does pretty much from any point in the venue. Uh, yeah, visual. yeah okay. and, and they're still going to have blackout seats, especially in in uh, oddly situated uh, arenas. You know that are just uh, you know that that are very round, or uh, or that you know the angle yeah. is is exaggerated. And so the reason why I'm saying all this is because so for instance, if they weren't in you know in Boston, then uh, you know like in the city center of Boston, they might choose a theater that was like an easy you know, 20 or 30 minute drive right. where, you know, like instead of the, um, and I, when we toured through there, we had, I had a uh, bus that I was on, so I don't really remember all the specifics, but like a bigger place like the Mohegan Sun mm-hmm. uh, would, would be very, very big. And so they might want to book something that was like 15 or 20 minutes away that was a little more contained and direct on. So, right. so you wouldn't have those. Uh, so that's why I can't give you the name of, of where they're playing, but, What's your goal in terms of size of venue? You know, the the places that we played, I would say, and it's funny because my dad's, uh, you know, I watched through all the old interviews and I saw a great one the other day where he was talking about, uh, you know, the sizes of the venues. If you can't see the people at the back, he said, you know, at that point it's a little too big. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know, I think he wanted to be able to connect with the fans and so anything under that uh, 3,500 uh, mark or something like that would be fine. I see. And, I, okay. and, yeah. and uh, you know, it, it, it depends. Like, uh, our, you, you know, our old, uh, I'd say, you know, the theater venues that, uh, that are those nicer restored uh, theaters uh, that are really popular these days are going to be a, a great uh, size, right? Sure, that. sure. And and, and uh, the good thing is you could show it anywhere, day or night or whatever. But I just think for the um, part of this is like, and people, you know, there was a little kickback when we first announced the hologram tour, and people didn't really understand why we would do this or even support it. And uh, you know, for for those people, I had to go and write people on Facebook and say, hey, look, if you want to sit at home. I'm sure you have a high-fidelity sound system that you love, and you can turn on the record and play it, but what this is about is about the art of music and getting out in a crowd and going to go see something, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the difference between watching, you know, uh, I watch scary movies, so when they premiere a scary movie, you watch it in a theater that's packed and other people are screaming, and, right. you know, it, it just gives a whole different effect, and so right. Right. that was what we were going for, and with, with that in mind, we definitely... Uh, achieve that so it, it's uh you know keeping it uh keeping it uh i don't know keeping it r- r- right at or under the arena area i think would help that a little bit just because uh and, and second of all the sounds better too i mean if i had the choice uh i i love arena shows but a lot of times uh 
if I could see the slightly uh, yeah. m- more contained one, I would. Sure, of course. Yeah, I think anybody's that way, and I think you're right about the venue size situation for from an audience perspective. Um, now, I got to ask you too. I mean, this is a, a novelty. Uh, you know, as you yep. say, this is the first touring you know of any large scale sort of thing. Um, you, you know, there's, and I got to ask you personally, when you see this, your dad, who's been dead for a while now, when you see him sort of alive, or at least that's the the idea, is there anything creepy about it? Uh, let's see. I mean, you know, you know what I'm asking. It's like, geez, <laughs> you know, uh, I can see people seeing, knowing, even knowing they're going to see this show, but still when they see Roy just sort of gasping and going, oh my God, yeah. you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. how do you, how do you answer yeah. that? <laughs> it is crazy. You know, it, and, and admittedly it's crazy. Like, uh, you know, the Jetsons future is kind of here upon us. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, when, uh, yeah, when people were screaming in between the songs and just seeing, uh, so for me, watching it straight on, like when I'm watching my dad radar and like the, uh, you know, we were really close with the production of this and making sure it was right so so people could enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when I'm alone, it's harder for me to break out of that producer, like, yeah. you know, just like I'm yeah. listening to every instrument and making you know, sure in my brain that like the vocals loud enough. And so I, I don't break out of that when I'm by myself, but when I was in the crowd, it's really coming down to watching the other people's interaction. And mm-hmm. like at the beginning of it's over, um, you know, and, um, my dad does the intro and then there's like the drum fill, bum, 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 bum. Yep. and yep. I saw at the intro, like these people next to me, they must've been married like 30 years at least. And you could tell that like, you know, they, this was their favorite song, and they kind of like reached over and held each other's hand, and they gave each other a look, and then started watching. And like, those are the moments when I just totally right. started bawling, crying. Right, right. And, and 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 so for me, that's like when I said this thing's taking on a life of its own. It's like that's in real time, and they're having these experiences, and uh, the best stories are the the stories about the family members who. Uh, one one guy said that he listened all the time with his dad to uh, to my dad while they were driving carpool, <clears throat> and uh, and so they they watched the show together. He got a ticket for his dad, and then they listened to Roy Orbison in the car all the way home and told stories, uh, you know, from growing up and uh, and then the things that have happened. So you know that part's really endearing, and that so it definitely. Uh, Definitely outweighs any of the, the the creepy part, you know. The the thing that shocked me was how solid the hologram is. Mm-hmm. Like even the even when uh, we were testing testing the medium that you would quote unquote see the hologram on, mm-hmm. it changed, and the current incarnation is much more solid than uh, than I even uh, yeah than I even realized right uh, right right and 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 so without getting into too much about how the cake is actually made like that was the thing that shocked me the most is so besides the fact that it's eerily well lit you know so there's like there was an orchestra and the backup singers and everyone's kind of softly lit and dims in and out Mm -hmm. and then there's this roy orbison who's like super well lit and shiny in the middle of the stage yeah like that besides that part and like honestly no one else is probably going to notice that just from 
from uh, working in film and stuff that you kind of pay attention a little bit more to the, where the light actually comes from or mm-hmm. how it looks. But that that aspect of how solid it was and just how much it looked like there was a guy singing in the middle of the stage. I mean, literally the first concert that happened, there was a, a guy who was mad and, like, uh, you know, he was complaining and I think he wanted a refund because he said, oh, well, you know, they just hired some guy to stand on stage and uh, and sing those songs, you know. And so he was like, he was mad because the argument that like drew in several parties was that uh, there was actually someone there and it wasn't being uh, beamed in, huh. you know. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, the, the whole, uh, the whole idea of, of the hologram is so new that, it becomes much less creepy by the time you get halfway through the second song. <laughs> well, okay. you know, that was, that <laughs> was a, the whole thing. That's it, a good it, point. Now, you know, and here's here's a question, too. I was throwing a few things down when, when I knew I was going to talk, and I said, well, okay, uh, looking ahead, I mean, is this the future of rock, you know, in a certain way? I mean, is this something that, you know, if you're successful with it, which you anticipate being, will this be something other you know, states of stars who are gone will do do you think you know from for me that's like that that is appealing and it makes a ton of sense and i mean we're in the age in nashville tennessee where uh we're in the age of the museum you know the johnny cash museum Mm -hmm. very well the country music hall of fame does very well um and uh, we have a couple other there you know george jones is there we're planning an orbison museum the 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 place where you want to go and celebrate someone and, and learn about their life, the the hologram and the hologram tour experience seems like it will become more prominent. But mm-hmm. I guess just because we've been working on this for uh, for a couple of years and intensively for the last year or whatever, it's uh, my mind's already gone much forward to uh, you know. And I'm I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. I don't know any of the inner dynamic of the band, and mm-hmm. like I haven't read the biographies or any of that stuff. But yeah. you know, if the, and I just wonder why they don't tour together. And you have bands that I've heard of, um, not Pink Floyd, but other bands that were the lead singer didn't get along with the band, and yeah. so the band would start playing. Lead singer walks out yeah. while they're playing, and then they do the set, and then he leaves and gets his limo while the band's still playing. Right, and right. So when you when you have pr- personality stuff like that then like literally i'm thinking well why wouldn't they they could play through the set they could go back to pompeii and one guy would stand there and just play his parts and then the next guy could come back the next day and stand over on the other side of the stage and they could shoot this whole thing and then you could rebroadcast that and have a full you know pink floyd quote-unquote show oh man they would be represented as holograms but (laughs) the laser show would be so crazy anyway it's like who 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 would care if they weren't actually in the room with each other or what you know you, your mind starts to at least my mind starts to twist off into other areas of, right uh, right fantasy reunions and sure i mean come on like a led zeppelin a tour like that with uh yeah you know, where, they, where they went and got to go do reshoots for each of them you know go in there and do a week's worth of uh of perfect takes and uh and get the dream show where Robert Plant doesn't have to yell over the band. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. so I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if what we're doing is the future, or if it's like, you know, where I don't know if we're 
MySpace or Facebook or which one's going to work, but uh, but it sure has been fun. And uh, and for us, you know, with my dad was like, my, so my dad's perfectly suited for this just because of the nature of his shows yes. and his performance right. and the way he he conveyed himself and and his musical career. And so and we've been able to, you know, he re-recorded uh, his greatest hits. So we have his pristine, clean vocals you know, that are like, you know, everything literally has made this like a dream set up. So we'll have to see who's on first and what's on second for what the future brings. Right, but sure. Us, it really, uh, you know, and so we and we actually did a lot of, uh, you know, again, we didn't want it to just sound like we were playing the record. So we uh, we recorded all the songs at the original tempos and then I went and laid the re-recorded vocals over them so it's uh it's uh, a little bit of alchemy to get it to you know the most diehard fans that we have um are in the UK around uh, and around London and then and then they're in the Benelux region uh, you know the Netherlands and uh and so uh they each, you know, wrote me messages saying, you know, I don't know where you found these, but those different vocals. And I said, yeah, they're, you know, we did a, everything in the book that we could to make it new for someone like you. So, uh, mm-hmm. so those, those things all benefit having a good show. And, you know, I, I just, when you ask if the future is hologram, you know, music tours, I just hope the future is music tours. And this totally brings a, a good uh, place where there's a vacuum of uh of people missing my dad and the how talented he was to get out and celebrate together and 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 you know we're we're supporting music as the you know the art form and the medium and so it's uh you know it's, if you look at the music industry and the way things just have like fallen off a cliff even though they say streaming is going to bring it all back right right just as long as people are getting out and enjoying something and we can add to that then uh you know that it's super exciting for me. Hey Alex, one one question too in terms of what the set is about. Uh, I mean, are there any versions of the songs on Mystery Girl? Uh, let's see. So the you got it's in the set list. Ah, okay. And well, I I, I got it in. Uh, you got it, and I drove all night. I'm sorry. Okay. I drove all night was and it was a uh, was kind of an outtake for mystery girl it was in the same period and so um those are um and of course i drove and i ended up on king of hearts right but uh but those songs are uh are in the set and we basically what we basically used everything we could off of the uh the the rpo record uh, a love so beautiful and so um a love so beautiful is on it as well and that was uh well, that's so beautiful. It ended up just being such a monster ballad that, uh, that uh, you know, and, and that's what I meant by making a 2018 show. It's funny because people, the way they identified that this wasn't just a pre-recorded concert, you know, which we purposely veered away from, was, uh, the, you know, the one guy said, oh, well, I know that Roy never... Uh, Saying "I Love So Beautiful" in concert, so mm-hmm. I know that this wasn't real or, or "quote unquote" real or whatever. But um, so yeah, I love so beautiful. I love so beautiful, and you got it. <clears throat> and uh, and I drove all night with the uh, 
were the later 80s songs that we pulled up for this. Uh, right, this the songs set. he never actually did sing live in concert, yep. correct? But exactly. Okay. And I mean, Alex, what, what's the simplest way to explain to people how you put the vocals together? I mean, I think what you're telling me is there are many different sources, how you, you know, got this alchemy of sounds together. Yeah. But what's the, what's the simplest way to word that? Um, the simplest way to word it is that... Uh, so my, my dad did multiple takes when he and and in 1985 and seven he went and re-recorded uh, all his uh, his biggest hits because Monument Records had gone out of business. Right. Okay. And, his, and, and so we have we have those recordings. Um, and so um, in order for the in order for it not to just feel like we were playing uh, the record, we uh, we recorded at the original. Uh, monument tempos and syntax so they have that same feel but it is with the 80s vocals and so the way that uh the way that it sounds ended up being different we put everything to the Royal Philharmonic uh backing and so it is uh yeah it is it just ends up giving it a little bit more life or something mm-hmm. I think the original recordings might have been a little bit uh quicker in some instances and uh and it just gives it a really uh, fresh sound. Right. Okay. All right. Good. I think I can work with that. I mean, I think that's that's uh, you know because I think that's something people certainly are, are will question along from the visuals. <laughs> It'll be like, well, yep. what exactly yep. are they using? You know, and that's that's uh, yep. good to know. Um, well, you know, Alex, I think this is fine for what I can do, what I'm going to write, and what we can do on the podcast here. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, great. Great. I, I guess I would just say, if there's anything else I need more, okay, to just to get back to you. Should I call you? Should I email you? Of course. What's the best, okay, what's yeah. the best way to get yeah. in touch? Uh, call well, email. Send, yeah, just uh, just send me an email and you have my number. You can text me too. Okay, and then that's uh, and then normally I can figure out if I'm busy or not. And then that's uh, fine. And then uh, where I'm at right now, the reception's not that great. So yeah, with the preliminary text, I'll see it and then I'll know. Very good, very good. All right, buddy. Well, look, thank you for your time. I appreciate this. Yeah, this, great I'm, talking. All right, and we'll you know obviously I'll uh, I, I guess I'll probably be seeing you sometime after October. <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was excited to see your your name pop across the uh, oh. pop across my email thread with Bob. So thanks for uh, great. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks. All right, buddy. Take care now. We'll see you. Right. Bye bye.